Welcome back to The Opening Drive. I'm still your host, Jason Casera. I know it's been a while. I promised you it wouldn't be, but you know what? Tell me about it, all right? Uh, Nobody's life is normal right now. We all know why. And this episode is dedicated to that. I have on a really dear friend that I've known for a long, long time, like more than half my life, who is working essentially on the front lines with patients of uh, COVID-19, of coronavirus. She is a respiratory therapist. She has been one for a number of years and she works in a local hospital in my community. Now, I don't name her in this. We don't have her name because of just of some worries that she has about if she says anything that might be uncouth about any practices, which she doesn't. But regardless, I'm respecting her privacy in this and uh if if you know me and you know her then you're you're gonna know who it is but if you don't then you don't and you never will however as i as i said in the beginning of this podcast when i started this trek in my life is i want to bring to you the smartest people i know that you don't know and these are people are just experts in their craft in their field just people that i respect and that uh i think you'll respect too so with that that's coming up in a bit uh, it runs about an hour long, so grab your, your popcorn if you have it. If you've been like me, you've been, you know, battling with grocery stores and things like that. I don't walk in a grocery store. I don't even like going to the store in the first place, but uh, so I was already trying to do the curbside thing when available as possible. Now, of course, with all the dumbasses who decided to make a run on toilet paper and other shit that they really didn't need, um, you know, that's been difficult to an extent so you just you got to really plan you got to have some foresight and you got to plan of the things you're going to need like a week or two week out and go from there right so if you have popcorn good for you we're getting a little slim around here and i'll probably make a list tonight and get on the schedule at my local heb or walmart if you can go to your local meat markets your local stores to get the goods that you need do it i mean they're small businesses the HEBs, the Walmarts, the grocers, the, the mega box grocers in your community, they're going to survive. They're going to survive because everybody needs their stuff. But your smaller markets, you know, they, they might struggle. Now, I went to my local meat market and bought like a giant case of eggs. I don't even eat a lot of eggs. But my thought was if for my parents, any friends, other relatives that might need stuff like that, I was going to get it, you know. And then, of course, I bought a bunch of meat because I, I like eating red meat. Uh, I, I don't do the keto thing, but I just like eating steak. All right. Sports. I know this is supposed to be a sports podcast. Who would have ever thought going back to March, I think was the last episode I did was March. Uh, I was, I was getting ready for the baseball season, man, for major league baseball. I was excited. I was excited for the Astros to get out there and kick some ass and shut all the haters down throughout this entire season. Now we may not even have a season, and it feels so elementary and so small to even worry about that, to even think, oh, we may not have professional sports that we can't even really afford to go to the games in the first place, man, while you have people who are dying 
from this pandemic virus that has just taken hold. And me, myself, I, I wouldn't say I was a doubter, but I was like, a, I was very on the fence of, you know, are we overreacting? It's not that serious. If you're healthy, you're not going to get it. And from the last episode till now, so much has changed. I mean, we know that so much has changed. We're all at home. <laughs> I'm now an online college student again, which I really hate because I, I don't like online schooling. I think it sucks. Uh, and I'm taking law classes. So on top of that, you know, it's pretty hard. I feel like some of that was rushed. I think the schools to probably just keep structuring kids' lives in, in adult student lives and to finish out the semesters that were paid for, I feel like they rushed to push all these classes that people were normally taking and put them online and just say, here you go. Let's just keep on trucking along. I mean, I have kids, my children are in, in chemistry classes, you know, up, uh, upper level pre-AP classes in high school. And now they're having to do this stuff from home. Uh, my stepdaughter's um, boyfriend, he takes an engineering class in school and he needs this CAD uh, software that was paid for by the school. Well, it's like $200 at home. A lot of kids, you know, their parents aren't going to pay for that stuff. You have kids and families who don't have computers at home. Believe it or not, you have people at home who don't have computers. They don't have access to Internet. So what are they doing to do online schooling? So the government shuts down everything and with good reason. And you'll learn more about that coming up, because if you've if you've been a skeptic on that, you're about to learn some things, I think, that will change your mind. I believe that you'll get enough out of this to change your mind on that. Uh but what, what are those families doing? Just sucking it up? Just dealing with it? I think you're going to have... I think you're going to have some kids who are going to be forced to repeat a grade just because they don't have access to online schooling right now. And, and for me, myself, with my college classes, I've emailed all my other... My classmates and my classes, none of them are really doing shit. They're not turning in assignments. They said it's just a struggle. Because you're at home, most of us... You know, especially going out of community college, you have kids. So I'm at home every day with my little one and I'm trying to entertain him and keep his life structured. And then at the same time, I'm supposed to sit down and try to roll through college classes. So I'm doing my best, you know, and, and we'll get through it again. That's a first world problem. It's just like complaining about the baseball season. Now for my children, my child students, uh, I worry about them. You know, their mom says they're doing well. So I believe her. I have faith. She's a educator herself. So I have faith that they're going to be all right. Not everybody has that luxury. <clears throat> so I worry about that. So, you know, Tom Brady becoming a Tampa Bay Buccaneer, who gives a shit? The guy's at the tail end of his career, all right? He, he's so unbelievably healthy, it's unreal. So I, I don't think we're worried about that guy. I don't even know why he's still playing football. Honestly, why wouldn't he just retire? I mean, that's do the legacy thing. Retire from the team that you played for your whole career, you won a bunch of titles with. You know, it'd be great. And uh, the guy chooses to go to Tampa Bay for whatever reason. And I guess he'll kind of go out like Joe Montana, where he probably should have retired. And instead, he held it out a little longer. And, and Joe wasn't bad. He was on a good Kansas City team, right? I don't know if he went ever, anywhere else after that. I believe it was just Casey. But then you had Brett Favre. He held on, I think, a little too long. Uh, you know, there's a number of guys that do it. And then in baseball, you know, I was just looking at the MLB page because I wanted to see if they had said anything recently about when they might be starting the season. And it's just, it's pathetic, man. I don't know how ESPN is going to stay in business. I mean, what are they doing? 
all they're doing is showing classic matches of shit from the past, which, you know, some people might care about, but for the most part, they don't. Basically with that, uh, sports-wise, it's just, what is there? There's very little. And it, again, it just seems like such an afterthought right now. Uh, I listen to my podcast. One of that I really like is Bleacher Blums with Jeff Blum and a buddy of his. And, you know, it's it's the same thing. They're trying to talk about some baseball stuff, but it's a lot of just how people are coping. And for my son and I, I mean, we, we've been at this now for nearly a month because we went on spring break early March and haven't been back in our regular routine since. So he's been out of school. He constantly asks and tells me, he's like, I want to go to school. When am I going back to school? And I'm like, buddy, you know, everybody's sick. You know, we can't go. What do you tell a four-year-old? What do you tell little ones like that? What do you tell eight or ten-year-olds? It's still a difficult concept to understand. Why did the world just come to a screeching halt? And there's a lot of people out there who, they, they're, they're still big skeptics. And again, that's, that's fine. I mean, when the sporting world, all the professional leagues decided to either suspend their season like the NBA did, or like Major League Baseball hasn't even started up yet. Then you had the NCAA tournament, and they killed it off. I mean, that's tons and tons of money that they decided to forego. And if you go, there, there's a great article, and if I still have it on my computer, man, it could have been on my phone. Which, I, man, I hate trying to read stuff on my phone. It's just some people live and die by it, and that's probably where it's at. I, I was reading a great article about a soccer match in Italy. And it's what sparked the big problem in Italy. If I can find this thing for you, I'll tell you the link. But they, uh, essentially it was just 40,000 football fans. They came to watch a soccer match. It was a big deal, but it was right whenever coronavirus was really kicking around. And a bunch of people from that soccer match got sick. And from then on, it just it spread like wildfire. So you can understand why... And I don't, I don't know, man. I guess I deleted this thing. That's really depressing because it was a good article. But so you can understand why all the professional leagues decided they didn't want to have, you know, 30,000, 40,000, 50,000 people upwards coming together collectively day after day after day and spreading this thing because that would have been that would have been devastating. So I think our initial reaction was really apprehensive about it. Why are they doing this? Why why would they do this? And we felt like, I think uh, the collective felt like there was things that we weren't being told, things we were missing. And I honestly think, as it turns out, that was the case. I think here in this country, our government delayed to really take it serious and make us take it serious to a point that you see what's going on in New York City and how bad it is there, New Orleans. Uh, and, and those are really the major hotspots right now. And maybe we're kind of lucky for that. But for every single one of those people that have died, not so much. I just saw a stat tonight that 9,600 people estimated have died from coronavirus in this country. And while we say that's not significant or, you know, like I'll read some comment on Facebook like, well, I don't know anybody that has it. Or I know a guy and he recovered. Well, that's great. That's great that they recovered. And we'll cover that in this podcast. Because, you know, the more people that recover from it, that's fantastic, you know. Not everybody dies from cancer. It doesn't mean it's not real, right? It doesn't mean you shouldn't take precautions in, in anything and everything you do. 
Not everybody dies driving drunk, but they still drive drunk, don't they? So just because somebody doesn't die from something that other people are doesn't lessen the significance of it. That's an important thing to think about. It doesn't mean that you don't take the precautions necessary that everyone's telling you to take. There's a smarter people than you or I telling you to take certain precautions for a reason. Again, this will be covered in this episode, and I don't want to go too long because the interview is about an hour, a little over an hour, and I want you to listen to all of it. If you don't listen in one full sitting, come back to it. If you get something out of it, let me know. Definitely let me know. Send me an email. You can always hit me up at a... You can hit me up at my personal email at caserajd at gmail.com or uh, I think it's the opening drive tx at gmail.com as well. I don't ever check it though, to be honest. Um, and then the Facebook page, the opening drive Facebook page, hit it up there. I've been trying to use Instagram a little bit more. I got a three-day ban from Facebook for posting a funny video and it was just funny. All right. That's all it was. It was funny, but it had, <laughs> it had Michael Jackson coming out in an explosion from like the, the bad video. And so they deemed that as violence. And I got a three-day ban from Facebook. And I was like, you know what, Facebook, you can F you. But there's so many things on Facebook and so many ways to connect. I use it to market, you know, and it's you listening right now. I appreciate it. The more listeners, the better. But I just appreciate it. More than anything with this, this episode is I hope as many people hear it as possible. Because my friend knows her stuff. She gives some good information. Uh, she reminds me that just because I have an itchy throat doesn't mean that I'm going to die. But she does tell me to be to to take caution, to be uh have a concerted effort to ensure I don't get sick, my child doesn't get sick or anyone around us. So, mom, I'm not going to see you for a while, okay? Just get it through your head. That's all there is to it. I mean, I have a you know, my parents are seniors and they're fairly stubborn, and I think a lot of our senior that population is because these are these are baby boomer kids, right? Uh, they came right after World War II. Most of our parents did, and they they've they've seen and been through a lot themselves. And you know, no pandemic gonna slow them down until it does, and that's something that's scary. You know, they gotta stay out of the stores. You gotta tell your parents stay home. If your parents need groceries, go get them for them. You lazy ass. Go get your parents groceries for them. Okay, better yet. Buy some extras and then take them to them. Drop them. You can put them on the doorstep and just, hey, hey, I left some groceries for you. Spray this shit with Lysol, whatever you got to do. But help them out, man. Because the worst thing that can happen is you don't. And then your moms or your pops is going to Walmart and, and mingling with all these other people with their, their disease. And they get sick. So it's if you don't think that it can happen, it probably will. Okay, so... That's me on my soapbox about this. I would tell you about 30 days ago, I had a pretty different mentality. Not to say that I felt like impervious from it, but just that I felt that as a, as a whole, this whole world was overreacting. And reading more, understanding, and listening to someone who I consider to be a subject matter expert is very key. And education is always key. The more you can get, the better, right? So with that, there just really isn't any sports to talk about. As a matter of fact, I'm in a deal right now to do a uh, start a new sports podcast with a group called Right on Sports, or well, it's, it's Right on Corpus Christi. We're going to call the podcast Right on Sports for now, and uh, it's with a cool young dude named Gabe, who's an awesome guy. He played college basketball, 
and uh, which is kind of cool, right? Because it's like younger guy that's all in the sports, and an older dude that's all in the sports. So you know, we'll mention the medal, and uh, we'll launch that soon, I think. But again, there's just not a lot to talk about right now. I mean, I started up. I'm in a fantasy baseball league, and and I'm just staring at it like, cool. I'm glad I had a good draft, man. But <laughs> like for what? So, without further ado, uh, I hope you're well. Take all those precautions seriously. Uh, do what you need to do. Keep all those folks around who have gotten sick. I mean, keep those people in New York in your prayers, man, if you have them. People in New Orleans, whatnot. They're getting hit hard. They're setting up, you know, pseudo-morgues in parks. I mean, that's third-world country shit right there, right? Just keep thinking about that and remember that uh, come November. Not that you really have a choice between the two, uh, you know, seniors in chief, whatever, man. Enjoy this interview. I really hope you do. And don't forget, keep supporting those local businesses, the restaurants, if, if you know, I know it's great to stock up on the groceries. It is good, but every now and then, just like if you go out to eat, swing by there, get it to go. Um, as always, if you're up in the San Antonio area, stop by uh, the, the Branch Neighborhood Barn Grill. I think it's just the Branch Neighborhood Grill. I'm not looking at it in front of me, but great place off of 46 in Spring Branch, Texas. Uh, take your CBD. Do whatever, man. I just want to get to this interview because it's really good, and I want you to hear it. Thanks for listening. Uh, check out the Patreon. It'll be in the links down below. I wish I was more chipper. I'm sorry. <laughs> but you get what you get, man. It's just part of society right now. Someone here that I've known for a really, really long time, um, basically since childhood, who went into the profession that most people should probably be getting some form of information from about coronavirus. So instead of talking about sports, which we could always talk about sports if you really want to, but I doubt you do, but instead of just talking about sports, uh, I've been wanting to do this with this person for a while who I'm not going to name because um, she works in an environment that's like literally on the front lines of care. Uh, in a local hospital and is providing care to patients of or, or have coronavirus symptoms. Is that right? Yes. Or they just do? Uh, both. We have patients who are uh, being investigated for the coronavirus and have been confirmed. So, so she's there every day. And uh, the reason we're not going to say her name is because of where she works. And she had told me, I don't have to speak because you're like, you're not here. <laughs> like I'm speaking about you in third person, but you had told me that your um, overlords basically told you guys not to talk about it. Is that right? Like in, in a, in a sense. So there's a lot of things that can be covered with the, uh, the HIPAA laws, which mm -hmm. is the health insurance privacy and portability act. And they can use and manipulate the HIPAA laws to kind of, um, CYA, I guess, and mm -hmm. make sure that they don't get uh, exposed for anything that could be considered shady just by saying, well, because it involves patient information. Mm -hmm. um, and it 
doesn't have to. It can be very general, but they have better lawyers than I do. So I'm going to be careful with what I say. Yeah, no, absolutely. And because I think, too, that the public perception, I think, is very mixed on everything that has to do with the virus and the reaction, the government's reaction um, is like big pharma out there, like blockading things at the FDA, like all kinds of stuff that, you know, for the most part, like the average person like me is just getting out of the media and then whatever I can find to read. And then, of course, you have uh, tons of conspiracy theories. And it's like I have the news on right now and the reporting um, on CNN is uh, that in the United States, we have more than 337,000 confirmed cases now and 9,600 plus deaths just in this country. And that seems alarming. And of course, I think about a month ago, I think you and I were texting about this and probably, you know, for me, I was still feeling kind of confused and, and I still am somewhat about the reaction and how we've literally just shut down the world. I mean, <laughs> like I went back to school to go to school because I suck at online school and now I'm taking online classes again. How about that? You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, thank Thanks, world. So that's something I'd like to cover with you for sure is just that, like, if you feel that the reaction has been where it should be, if it hasn't been for too strong, um, you know, that kind of thing. And then just some of your experiences of what you've been experiencing on your shifts. Um, and then I know we had talked a little bit, too, about, you know, how well are you guys protected? Like every everybody that's working in ERs or just on the floors in the different wards or whatever, um, how well are you guys protected? So whatever you kind of want to get into, I'll let you lead. I'll ask the occasional question or whatever, but you know, we can just have a conversation. And again, I appreciate you so much for doing this because it's really rad. I think, you know, one of the things that I wanted to do the most with this podcast since I started doing it is I always want to have guests because I want to bring to my audience, the smartest people I know who they don't know, if that makes sense, you know, and you're the smartest person I know, particularly when it comes to respiratory therapy and, you know, dealing with all things lungs. So how about that? Well, thank you for that. I appreciate it. I, as, as far as like the conspiracy theories and the reaction mm -hmm. of the government, I think that we are doing what should be done, uh, possibly not on, and I know this sounds silly, but it, it could possibly be a little bit more extreme just based on the, the, the studies that I've read. And I say that just because I think that the disease is far more communicable, people realize. And I say that because this is not something, it's not the flu. And I think it's being mm -hmm. a, a common misperception. This is not the flu. If this, if this was the flu, we could control it a lot faster and a lot more effectively. Um, this is something that's an unknown. We don't know. There's still a lot of research going on. Uh, we don't know exactly how far this um can travel in droplets or airborne environment. We are just beginning to know how long it can live on surfaces. Uh, therefore, if somebody wipes their nose or their or covers their cough with their hand at the store and picks up a can and decides they don't want it and puts it back, how long is that uh, virus going to live on that can uh, before someone else touches it and picks it up? And then how communicable is it in that regard? So mm -hmm. I think you know, people say, oh, there's a lot of fear mongering. Well, you should be afraid. You should be not necessarily afraid, but very cautious. Mm -hmm. uh, I see a lot of stuff, though, that's just like, who hasn't been doing this? Who hasn't been washing their hands before they eat? 
who haven't right. been sanitizing their hands uh, at the gas pumps. I mean, gas pumps have been disgusting for a very long time. Mm-hmm. This is that should be a common practice, an everyday practice. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as the social distancing, I absolutely agree. The schools should should be shut down, even though I don't like it, because <laughs> yes. you know how quickly kids spread diseases. Yeah, they dirty. Know? They can be dirty little bastards. Well, I mean, you see how quickly lice can spread through a whole school, or mm-hmm. or even a cold. You know, oh, you know, this little kid had the sniffles yesterday. Now, now my kid and four other kids have it today. Well, that's because kids are are germy and gross. Uh, as far <laughs> yeah. as colleges, there's there's just not a, a great way to do social distancing yeah. in a college environment, um, and the stores as well. And I I think that. We're still failing a little bit in the stores. Um, oh, I, I haven't gone into a goddamn grocery store in like a month. I just won't, you know? It's like yeah. if curb, curbside and delivery is available and you can get on and you can, you know, formulate a plan to figure out what you need and you'll see that like some things aren't available, some things are. You just, you got to really formulate a plan of when you're going to get the stuff and, and use that service. Okay. Like I'm not going in the store. I agree with you. I was using curbside before cur- curbside was cool. So yeah. I'm like, yes. I mean, Amazon is I my can't stand buddy. The store. Yeah, I don't like I it can't... either. But so here's the here's the problem I was running into is um, stores like H E B, which have really amped up their curbside game because they were still you know still fairly new at it. Uh, Walmart really had it down before H E B did. But the problem yeah. that I was running into at H E B is they and and Walmart is they weren't prioritizing the curbside orders. So you could order a week's worth mm-hmm. of groceries, and then when you get there to get it, you have less than half of what you ordered. Yeah, you, would, you wouldn't get shit. And, or they substitute, uh, you know, they'd have these really stupid substitutions. Right. Um, I, I, I wanted, I don't know why, but I wanted to try like these, like cinnamon coffee muffins for whatever reason, and I put them in my little queue thing. And then when they got there, they replaced them with some kind of like brand shit. And I told the lady, I was like, I'm not 70. I don't eat this. And then I felt bad because she said, I do. <laughs> and I was Aww. like, well, my bad. But, um, but yeah, that's, that's a, a, it surprised me a little bit about these huge conglomerate grocery chains we have. And I started reading this Texas Monthly article the other day about H-E-B and how great they've done and all this stuff. And I felt like they were on their ass, like, at first. I just felt like they were really on their ass is that it's one of those things that it's not just this that can really – you know, weaken the, uh, the, the chain, I guess, or whatever, the supply chain to get groceries out to the community. There's a number of community emergencies that can happen where people are going to make a run on a grocery store. I mean, we've seen it when we have hurricanes, whenever there's just a, a bad winter storm coming any, anywhere in the country. And these grocery stores have large warehouses and whatnot. And I just feel like, I feel like they're very slow to react to say, we need to pump like more, of basic needs into these stores, whether we have trucks sitting outside just in case. And if, and if we don't need it, then it goes back to the warehouse. But to me, they waited. It was like two, three weeks and I get it. There was a huge run. Why on toilet paper? No, is it okay. Tell me, does anybody shit themselves to death from coronavirus? Not at all. Uh, I mean, <laughs> one of the more mild symptoms is diarrhea, but that there's absolutely no reason why you would need to run out and buy toilet paper. I think, um, I think what happened is a few people did that 
And then people saw that people were buying up the toilet paper and went, oh, my God, now I have to go get toilet paper because I only have yeah. 12 rolls left, you know. Yeah. Uh, and I think and, and, it, it was just a chain bizarre. reaction. It was it was so bizarre, though. Yeah, I was like, really? That it, for a respiratory infection? Well, and then why didn't they just start rationing it either? You know, if like somebody came up and they had like four stacks of, yeah, like why wouldn't the store at that point just say, hey, no, like. There's other people that have to take shits, so you go put that back, and you you put it back by yourself. Embarrassingly, you go put that back. You hand it to that old lady over there who has none. Like that's that's where I felt like there was no control, and you know, and coming out of my background in the military, and then the last five years I was with the I was like a large logistics command. Like I get some of these concepts. I'm not a pro on it whatsoever, but yeah. like I've been to the Walmart distribution center that's in Temple, Texas. And it's, I mean, it's massive. There's well, enough yeah, shit in I mean, there to supply a city. HUVs so, is too. It's it's enormous. I think it just, I, I, I think that just caught everybody off guard. Like, what mm -hmm. is happening with the toilet paper? I think, <laughs> and just, I think it, it, it got the to them because I think they were already starting with the water. I mm -hmm. think they started that pretty early with the water rationing. Uh, but the toilet paper, I think everybody was just going, what? What's going on? I don't understand. Yeah. You know? Well, and do you think some of that too, like, you know, there was also misinformation, um, confusing information. Just like you said, there's still a lot of things trying to, that are being figured out. And so people have, you know, I, I think gone their own way a lot of times. And then again, a, a ton of things you read on the internet on Facebook, which is like the purveyor of false information half the time. Yeah. Um, I mean, I just, just within the last 30 minutes, I've read some of the most silly shit I've ever read in my life. And I'm like, how are people still thinking this or still believing this? You know, and, and I think one of the things that have bothered me a lot too is just how people's perception of this virus and like hearing you say people should be really worried is um, it, it sticks with me a lot, you know, because I know you really well. And I know that a lot of times, you know, you're like, nah, that, that kind of sounds like bullshit or whatever. And, but you've seen it and you're dealing with it every time you go into work. So <clears throat> I think that's why though I get bothered with, um, you know, basically it's someone's political affiliation is how they believe, you know, one way or the other with the seriousness of a virus like this. And that, that kind of bothers me a lot. It just doesn't make sense to me. I'm like, you know, it, it, it doesn't matter if you're a Republican, a Democrat, an independent or whatever you are, Christian, or, or you believe in the devil, you know, you can die from these things and, you know, like you should be careful or whatever. Like it's not, it's colorblind. You know, and so it just bothers me when I read some of the stuff I read. And if somebody's like, you know, an uber conservative, they're going to believe one thing. If they're like a hardcore liberal, they're going to be one thing. And it's just I, I can't grasp that. You know? I, I, and see, that that makes no sense. It, this is not a political virus. It's not. Uh, there is a political virus, and I'm not going to talk about that because I'll, I'll just go, you know, off the rails. But. Well, but this is not a political virus. This is a this is a sickness. This yeah. is something that is actually hurting people. It's making people very ill, and um, and it's changing. Uh, we thought at first that this was really going to affect the over sixty population, because that's what we had mm -hmm. seen in um, in China and in Italy. This is not this. This is affecting your 30 to 40 year olds. This is affecting, of course, your, your 50 to 60 and your 60 plus population. This has also started affecting um, in Illinois and in Georgia, I think, the, the children. 
um, although not to a large extent, it is, you know, at least one infant has died so far. Uh, a couple of uh, children have died so far between the ages of, of um, uh, five and 18. And that's very abnormal. And you think the first thing I thought as a, as a healthcare professional is, well, did they have underlying conditions? Did they have cystic mm-hmm. fibrosis or, or pulmonary hypertension or, uh, you know, heart disease or something that would cause this uh, virus to take that much of a toll? And there was none, um, which mm. is what makes it a frightening thing. It, you know, you expect for your, sure. your population that's immunocompromised to get hit harder because of their uh, pre-existing conditions. This is not doing that. But I think part of reason why is, you know, parents of, of children who are immunocompromised immediately start putting in protective measures and they're used to doing mm-hmm. that. You immediately mm-hmm. start increasing the, the amount that you wash your hands, um, sanitizing your hands, disinfecting your home, uh, not taking the kids out to public places. You, you start doing that automatically when you have someone in the house that's immunocompromised. It's just something that you do. It's lifestyle. Uh, and I think it's hitting the healthier population because they think that they're invincible. Hmm. No, that's a good point. And, you know, some things that have even bothered me recently is just like, you know, trying to get my own parents to understand, like, like you got to chill, you know, like y'all, you guys, you got to, you need to stay home don't do anything i don't have to worry about it with my dad too much anymore because he doesn't virtually go anywhere but my mom's one of those people who's stubborn and you know it's like she's gonna get out and about and do her thing and uh i'm trying not to spend any time around them i i think that's just wise i mean they're seniors and i think you know anybody that's of that age i just think it's it's almost dangerous and you know for hunter and i we we virtually don't go anywhere like today I had to return a, a, a Wi-Fi router to Spectrum because I, you know, I have my own and I'm not going to rent theirs, right? So oh my gosh. they make you set an appointment. But it's busy there, I've heard. Well, they well they make you set an appointment, and so when I got there, I just set an appointment at three, and I just walked in like normal. But then all the employees were wearing masks, and I was like, "All right, this is this is awkward." And you know me, I got to make light of everything, so I just came in and I was like, "All right, uh, what times the procedure start?" You know and they laugh. They're like, oh, <laughs> that's just, it's so funny to me. But um, as I was leaving, a lady was about to come in and they told her to stay outside. So they were only letting two people come in at a time and by appointment only. And then I observed another couple whenever I was getting in the truck and they were about to walk in. And I guess they were told, you know, stay out. But it was kind of funny to me because they, like, ran into each other. It was like Tweedledee and Tweedledum, just kind of do-do-do-do. <laughs> and then the woman made a face of, like, why are you letting him tell us what to do or some crap? You know, I was just thinking people are not used to having people tell them what to do like that. Well, they're not used you know? to having it's... their movements being restricted. And that's a, you know, yeah. and that's hard. It's hard for me. Uh, I am not a sit-at-home person. I... Mm-hmm. And let's go, let's go. I mean, even just simple stuff. Let's go to the grocery store. Let's go get ice cream. Let's go to the park. Let's go, 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 go. And so, you know, to only really leave the house just to go get something to eat or some, you know, it's, it's, it's been really difficult. So, um, whereas I, I used to, when I, I work at night. So when I, when I would work at night, I would, you know, on my 
days off, I would switch my schedule back to a day schedule and, okay, well, we'll just, you know, do, do things during the day. And now I'm like, eh, there's nothing to do. I'll just sleep all day. Yeah, there's, there's nothing to do. And I mean, okay, there's plenty for me to do, like school and then, you know, having structure with your child and playing with your child and things like that. But, you know, at a certain point, you're looking at the walls and you're kind of like, damn, every day is Monday mm-hmm. or Saturday, whatever you want to call it. But every day is repeating itself. And it's like this morning, I, I literally, I just, it didn't feel like a Sunday because I know tomorrow's going to be the same. And I think that's going to start getting to a lot of people. Um, I'm in, I mean, we went on spring break the second week of March. So that was like March 6th or something like that. I don't know, somewhere in there. And so I, I've, this has been the routine really now for a damn near a month for he and I. Right. And uh, yeah, you start getting a little loopy, you know? So, yeah. So as as far as so as far as patience and patient contact goes, like, can you back me up to basically? And again, you know, we're gonna avoid as much identifiable information as possible. But you can you walk back to essentially the first case that you guys had contact with and how it was handled. You know. So I work on the front lines, but I work on the secondary front lines. I work in an ICU or um, med surge setting uh, most of the time. I don't necessarily go down to the ER um but as far as the emergency room goes I think that they were prepared and I think that they were well equipped with that first possible case um but I I say that kind of loosely because you know we weren't stopping people at the door to 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 question them at that point you were sitting in the waiting room with a bunch of other people I mean, it wasn't until you got back into the uh, into a room that the questions really started. And so, mm-hmm. um, and and just to be clear, I believe that that first case was a negative. So uh, I don't. Yeah. Well, it wasn't that they trans. You know, there was potential for transmission there. But once we got um, to seeing more and more potentials, so uh, medicine is kind of a fluid thing. You especially with new things you learn as you go and, and you see what works and what doesn't. And that's kind of what, what our uh, hospitals have done and they've adapted and uh, we're still adapting. And eventually we will, um, we'll have this, you know, down to a science. And, and I think that's pretty close to happening as far as our procedures uh, for screening and um, isolating. And I think as, as soon as the point of care tests, um, become more readily available down here, which is at the last time I worked, they mm. weren't yet. I think that that's going to make a huge, huge difference in, in getting people cleared. You know what I mean? Okay. And the faster we can so get then, them cleared, the less uh, p- personal protective equipment is required or used. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. So, so basically being able to tell up front, you know, whether they're positive or not, and so let me ask you this so i understand that clearly so if somebody comes in they're showing the symptoms and they're you know telling you yeah i've had a fever of what is the the benchmark it's like 102.3 or something like that well, it's like kind of a high fever or is it that not really like it's a, not really a matter? it's not really i think there's a, a group of symptoms that they're looking for when they're doing the mm-hmm. screening but a fever is considered anything above 100.4 Mm-hmm. So they're asking travel-related questions and they're asking about symptoms. And 
Okay. I'm sure there's a scoring mechanism that goes with that. I'm not privy to what that is, but if you okay. if you hit a certain number of points on that on that chart, you're you're going to be listed as a possible. Okay. And so at that point, is that when they'll immediately uh, basically put the human condom on and uh, you know spray someone in the face with Lysol? Right. Yeah. Give them absolutely. an enema. Uh -huh. and... <laughs> no, uh, but, but is that but so... that's when you'll go into those measures basically? So we're wearing protective, at this point, the ER staff is wearing protective equipment all the time because mm -hmm. you never know who's going to walk through the door, what's going to come through the door, whether it be somebody walking in and say, I've had a fever and a cough and uh, I just got back from uh, Wuhan or whether it be somebody yeah. coming in CPR in progress that was found <laughs> down. So, uh, you know, you get your CPR in progress that was found down at the nursing home and you have no idea of their medical okay. history. Yeah. So ER staff especially has to be so careful. And, but that's been, the, mm -hmm. that's been the way it is since the beginning of emergency rooms. You don't know what you're going to come in contact with. So the staff down sure. there is more equipped to handle that. Um, but as far as this being a respiratory virus and, and so many people being affected by it, they are wearing masks in the ER just as a protective measure. Mm-hmm. Okay. So then, so say somebody's, you know, they're going to be intaken, I guess, uh, and you're still going to be given a test and then have to wait however many days to get back, whether it's a positive or negative. And during that time frame, they're just going to be essentially in quarantine in the hospital at that point? Correct. Um, as long as the test takes. So if the test has to go out and come back in and it takes two or three days, then yeah, you're, you're basically, um, in quarantine and isolation for two or three days. If, if they can do the point of care testing, that'll be so much uh, more effective in figuring out what measures need to be taken. So how often is this person though, say, say in that situation, even if they test positive, do they have the opportunity to just go home and self-quarantine? Or is it if you're there at the hospital and you test, well, or you're just speculative that you might be positive, are you basically forced to stay there? Like, is there an option for a patient to leave at that point? I am not sure of that policy. So I can't, I can't I, say for sure. Yeah, I had heard uh, it's a he said, she said thing that they were not able yeah. to leave if they were placed on isolation, that it was not an option to leave until the test results were back. That, that part becomes so confusing to me as of you can cons consistently hear about even even going to say with, with Tom Hanks. And whenever, you know, he and his wife said, hey, uh, yeah, we're out here in Australia. We tested positive for coronavirus. A, it seemed very quick, right? I mean, did they get their tests done really fast? Did the rich, well, you know, they get they get shit oh, done I'm quicker? Sure they do. Um, but see, I know that the point of care tests exist. Uh, I know there was um, in one of the... Uh, press conferences held uh, by Donald Trump, and this was a few days ago, said that they had the developed them machine. and that they were mass producing them and trying to get them to where they need to be. Yeah, I've seen that. It's like Abbott Labs or something like that out of Colorado has like a machine that they've had and they just had to reprogram right. it essentially, something like that, I think, which is great. It's great, you right. know? <laughs> so, yeah, but of course, yeah, now you need these uh, all over the place. How long are they good for? I mean, just whatever, a number of things. But, like, you know, you're going to get all these things out all over the place, and that will be great. Um, 
a game changer. So they were talking about for the longest time having to do a DNA swab because that's going to be basically the same thing with the point of care is it's DNA swab. Well, not DNA swab. I'm sorry. That's a conspiracy theory. Let me pull that back. <laughs> we're not, we don't have to talk about that today. But um, but they're doing a swab like what in the nose or in the mouth and then they just like right it's it's a a nasopharyngeal swab so it goes deep deep back in the back of the nose or the back of the throat uh it's it's an awful feeling but it's something that they do like it's something that uh that's how you test for respiratory viruses uh when they do Mm -hmm. a like if you take your kid to to the hospital to driscoll let's say and they do a respiratory virus screening that's how they do it they stick the, the thing all the way back in the nose they make your kid make this awful face and cry but that's how you get it. That's how you, you know, yeah. if you take it just from the, the, the nares or the, the part of the nose that, that people pick, that's, that's not going to be a sterile sample. So it'll be, um, hmm, okay. you have to get back into the, the nasopharyngeal area yeah. or the oral pharyngeal area. Interesting. At least in that medical talk. Um, okay. So then, if we go from virtually no cases here to this explosion, especially like New York City, I mean, they're putting up mobile morgues, right. you know, uh, and, and, and I, I just sit there and think, like, pardon my English, you know, but I'm just like, what the fuck? Like, how, how does that well, happen? Because basically? you went from not testing to testing. <clears throat> so... So as part of that, just the fact that tests became available and you already had people who were sick, Absolutely. obviously. And now, but, and, and then the number of people who are getting tested is probably, and this is just my brain, a small percentage of people who could be tested but aren't willing to go get tested. Or, or they're being told not to. Maybe they just, and that too. I have, a, I have a friend that just went through that and she was really sick the other day. She called, she did the CDC self-check mm-hmm. or whatever, and it told her to call her doctor. She did that and, and whatever, and then she didn't meet the enough criteria, I guess. She was told that we're not in a hot spot, and that was why the tests weren't available, and basically she just couldn't test. And in my mind, I'm thinking, well, you know, what if what if you're at the, the pendulum swing, basically, you know, where your health can either go left or right, but now you just don't even know. Um, you know, that would kind of make me feel uneasy. And thankfully, like a, what her doctor ended up doing was giving her, um, oh, it's right in front of me, like a breathing treatment, you know, like the same stuff we'd give our kids a butyrol. Right. Yeah, and prescribed that for her, and then she started feeling great like so a day later. The thing is, it, and, so. and this is um, going to be true with for just about everybody, this is a virus. This is not a virus mm-hmm. that you can say here's here's some antibiotics and it'll take care of it it's a virus antibiotics work on bacteria so the only time that antibiotics are going to work is if the virus leads to a secondary infection uh, a bacterial infection like a pneumonia um other than that just like the flu you kind of have to ride it out you and you treat the symptoms so the breathing treatment was to treat the shortness of breath uh tylenol would treat the fever mm-hmm. Uh, you know, something for nausea if you had nausea. But if you ever have gone to the doctor for the flu, well, now now they have, you know, uh, medication to help, you know, speed that process along, which is great. We don't have that for mm-hmm. coronavirus. Mm-hmm. And I don't see that happening for a long time. So is there... So, okay, real quick. So going back to, say, like, New York, like, so we're talking about 
you know, a number of people are to be tested, but you kind of, something that speeds along what you said is like if they have pneumonia or they contract pneumonia and so the virus is able to contaminate more of the body basically or weaken the immune system further. So I was watching, you can talk to me like I'm I was dumb. watching a really in-depth <laughs> medical do. video yesterday about how this virus specifically targets the, the lungs. Um, and it does that because it's spread from the lungs or from the GI tract, which I'm not going to go into. I'm, I'm, I specialize in the lungs, so I'm going to stick with that. All right. Um, so it, it does affect the lungs specifically kind of like the SARS virus did the, uh, SARS virus back in what, 2002, I think. Sure. Uh, anyways, this is behaving very much like the SARS virus. It makes you sick in a respiratory type of way. It doesn't make you sick to your stomach. Generally, it, it's it's a respiratory thing. It goes in and it, it affects a lot of the... Uh, it attaches itself to a, a certain receptor that's in the lungs, in the pulmonary system, and wreaks absolute havoc. And it causes a pneumonia. Um, okay and a really, really bad huh. pneumonia. So if you are unlucky enough to that your immune system doesn't fight it off in time, you're going to get really, really sick. And that's why the, the higher-ups, the, the government, the, Donald Trump's doctors and so on, are so worried because of how badly this affects the respiratory system. And so mm. people who are most at risk are people who already have problems that affect the respiratory system. So uh, congestive heart failure, uh, COPD, emphysema, asthma, uh, any kind of immunocompromised state. The, the respiratory system is so delicate, which is why there are, you know, there's nurses that treat a whole body and there's respiratory therapists that sp spend all of their education learning about the heart and lungs. And, uh, specifically the lungs because it's there's such a, a, a delicate balance uh between how the lungs work and the rest of the and the entire rest of the body if your lungs are not working well it leads to problems in your your kidneys your liver your heart and it's um it's a scary scary thing i've worked with patients who can't breathe for a very long time and it's terrifying for them and it's hard to watch when someone is struggling that hard. And luckily, um, there's a lot of things that we can do to help. But the way that we help um, sometimes requires very invasive procedures. And for a lot mm -hmm. of people, that's very scary. And it, it, it does require a lot of resources. And that's um, the fear is that the need will outnumber the resources. Mm -hmm. Well, and it seems like that's like really getting there. And, you know, in a city like New York, it seems like it's already past that. And I, I've been befuddled, honestly, why they just haven't essentially blocked up, blocked off every roadway, you know, in and out of New York City. They said, sorry, folks, park right. closed. Um, you well, know? because, you know, we, we hit on that a little while ago. People don't like being told what to do. They don't like being told what uh. to do. And, and, I, and I'm sure in, in New York, it's win. the same way there. You could tell people all you want to stay in the house. They're not going to stay in the house. Um, and then even in, in places like New York, I mean, the, the, 
your neighbor is you could walk out the door and spit on your neighbor it's uh well, yeah they're they're built like you know major cities like in in asia and stuff they all build right. up in new york and uh it was it was kind of cool last night um there's a guy named paul rykoff who started the iraq and afghanistan veterans of america nonprofit, and it's huge now the guy's doing all this awesome stuff he has a badass podcast i listen to all the time and we've we've communicated on like twitter and stuff he's just a really cool guy but he's in new york city he's a new yorker and uh last night he did an instagram live that i just happened to stumble upon so i started watching he's cool he gives you shout outs and stuff and every time he heard an ambulance siren you know running code he'd open his window just so people could hear and it was literally every five minutes you'd hear an ambulance going by you know and he said it's just that's just how it's been it's just been right. constant you know like a huge uptick and and i'm sure like the thing about new yorkers they're really opposite of us it's like yeah we're, we like to get out do stuff you know like we'll go to the beach the lake uh you know go get ice cream go to the park whatever we have right. all this big space new yorkers are like right on top of each other so they're used to like constant right. contact they're used to being more like social creatures you know going out and, and getting dinner every night you know at, at luigi's <laughs> you know, picking up a loaf of bread i don't fucking know i'm just making up shit but but that's a, that's their usual thing so it's probably like almost like murder for them being stuck inside and uh he actually ended up having a guest on that lives two miles away from him but he hadn't seen it and seen it in a couple of months since a lot of this stuff started and uh they were just you know talking about this and that but um yeah it's just it's it's wild for a place like that and then you look at say a city like los angeles which is much larger Base you know wise, by right. geographic yeah and so i, I feel like they're a, a lot more better off like you know houston's probably in the same boat dallas i mean they're huge cities and they're getting their numbers up there but nowhere close to like what right. new york's experiencing I'm, I'm sure chicago should be concerned but i really haven't heard much out of chicago which coincidentally on cnn right now they just have the illinois illinois governor uh talking and you know i got it muted but he looks he looks like a weirdo yeah so but that's i, I feel like here for corpus we're probably very lucky um we're not a really large right. city you know it's like me medium size but fairly spread out and people don't live on top of right. each and, other but you know we do have the, a benefit. the benefit here too is when when you do get in your car and go somewhere you're in your car um there are yeah, very yeah. few people yeah, getting cabs. who are getting cabs or Ubers or uh, using the bus. So, and even, it, you know, I don't know, it's been a long time since I've been on the bus, but the last time I've been on the bus, it wasn't crowded. So you have yeah. the option to sit three or four seats away from somebody, <clears throat> generally, I imagine. Um, and yeah. so that is going to reduce the spread significantly. And then once you, once the governor decided mm -hmm. to shut down um, common meeting grounds, uh, restaurants, bars, uh, and so on like that, it really, I mean, it, it so took tough. away our ability to go out and socialize without necessarily socializing. Yeah. You know what I mean? But like to just be out mm -hmm. in the social environment, yeah. but it also reduced the spread of disease again, significantly the, the schools. I mean, you think about the places that they have decided are not essential and then you look at the places that are essential <laughs> yeah. and, the, and the rules that they have in place for social distancing. And I think that our state has really, uh, I think we're ahead of the curve. You know what I mean? I think that we had plenty of warning. Mm -hmm. um, I, what, bought, what, what scares me is that people are going to look at this later on and say, well, we just didn't end up having that many cases. And it just wasn't that big a deal. It wasn't that big a deal because we had yeah. warning. And because we got things put in place early enough 
to stop the spread or to slow the spread to a point where it seemed so insignificant. And thank God we did. Yeah, because I'll read people's comments, and, and I read one tonight. And again, social media is just like a poison right now. And I, I read this lady's comments of, you know, she knows three people who have got it, and they all recovered, and it's their ages and stuff. And she's like, I, so I don't know what everybody's freaking out about or whatever, you know. And it's like, okay, you know, three people who recovered. There's a lot of people who know people who haven't recovered. And it's it's I, and I, another thing, too, is coming from the military side is I feel like America is getting a dose of what it sounds like to be a right. number. You know, it's it's not really often that people just start getting talked about as in, in numbers. And, you know, and this is one of those things. And it's it's nameless and just you just become a number. And so you read this and I think, you know, OK, 53 cases or whatever in in our county of those people they're all feeling really shitty inside right now besides feeling really sick they're probably thinking damn i'm an i'm a number on that that list you know being put out there that people are afraid of now and you know that's that's what it's like wearing a uniform Mm -hmm. you know you're just a number and it's a numbers game and they want to control it as much as possible but um yeah i mean for for every person that recovers it's fantastic and it's great. And hopefully it continues to just minimize and minimize. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I haven't just like you, you have an extreme fear of, of your child getting sick, any of your children. And I'm sure for you too, leaving that environment every day and going home. Um, I mean, does that thought stick with you? And then like, what are some of the precautions you take before you leave? I mean, do you shower there at the hospital? Do you, you know, spray yourself with bleach and no. drink some? Uh- that sounds wonderful. Uh, no. So I have added precautions to what I was already doing. Um, so I was already, you know, mm-hmm. coming home and, and changing clothes and washing my hands and so on. Um, I have changed things a little bit. I um, no longer wear my scrubs to go into the house. So they come off before I okay. enter the actual house. Um, oh. But, and, and I. So you're standing outside nude outside your house well, you know, before you go in uh, funny enough i wear underwear um i don't know that everybody does but i it's something that i i was kind of raised to do so i have on uh more clothes than are covered by a bathing suit and, and i feel quite comfortable taking my shoes and my True. scrubs off out on my back porch i don't have uh close neighbors either so chances of being yeah. seen are very low um until you start noticing a couple of trucks parked out of, you well, know, you know, across it, the road every day about whenever you're getting fancy. home. I know the strip <laughs> clubs are closed, so, you know. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, you can earn you can earn some extra singles one way <laughs> no, or the other. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I keep my shoes in a separate bin um, and, and out of reach of the baby and stuff just in case. And, and I, you know, I take those yeah. scrubs off before I walk in the house and then I go straight to the sink and wash my hands. And then uh, from there, um, I go to the showers and and then after that, I can hug my kids. So that's but it's a, yeah. it's a necessary thing and it's something I don't mind doing for the time being. I know. Um, and hopefully like every person in your well, shoes I have does a lot of uh, friends in the medical world and I know several of them who have sent their kids to stay with grandparents, aunts, uncles, um, 
because it's they wild. don't want to bring home what whatever's coming home with them. Uh, and I think, and it's, it's, you know, it's hard on those people because they want to come home and hug their kids too. And they come home to an empty house. Sure. So that's very mm-hmm. difficult. Uh, I actually toyed with the idea myself, but my parents live so far away and I just, that, um, to me, it wasn't feasible. It wasn't something that I, yeah. that I wanted to do. It was, it's easier for me to just take precautions at home and hope that, uh, hope that my kids have a strong enough immune system, which they appear to, to, if they do get it, they get past it. And then they have those antibodies, which, um, is almost just as valuable, you know, if you get through mm-hmm. it, you've got the animals. I know there's been a lot of talk about that. Yeah. And so, so there's been a lot of talk about that, of course, and uh, people needing to donate plasma if they've recovered from it, um, which is great. And what, I mean, and what are just some normal logical things that people at home should be doing besides, like you said, like, you know, constant disinfecting and stuff. Um, I mean, just, just put some simple stuff, like with your kids, you know, should you, do you ensure that they're taking a vitamin every day? Um, <laughs> just give them a shot of vitamin D, you know, you know let them go roll I in the mud. Am, um, I'm just not an extremist in any, in any way. I, mm-hmm. I have a, a, a toddler and, you know, she plays in the dirt. She plays with the dogs. I have several dogs. She eats the dog food. And I'm like, you know, if you're able to chew and swallow it, the dogs eat it, you like it, whatever, you know. It's nutritious, obviously. It keeps the dogs alive. But, you know, she seems to enjoy it quite a bit. Just, you know, you want to have a snack, go have a snack (laughs) if the dogs don't mind, you know. And they don't seem to because she she shares her snacks with them. Um, But, you know, as far as playing in the dirt and stuff like that... My my floors are rarely actually clean because the second I finish mopping and open the door for the dogs, they're dirty again. So, you know, sure. this yeah, little girl is, is crawled around on the floor and, and then putting God knows what in her mouth. Um, and she's, she's happy and healthy and doing great. So, uh, like I say, I take my shoes off uh, before I come in the house, of course, because it's something I don't want to track in the house. Um, but... Uh, you know, let your kids be kids. That's, it's, it's important to them. So let them, let them play, let them play in the dirt, let them play outside. Uh, just unfortunately you can't let them play with other kids right now. Yeah. And that's a, that's definitely a tough thing too. And cause trying to explain to little ones why they can't go to school, why they can't go over to so-and-so kid's house or whatever. That's a, that is a tough one. Cause I mean, you know, the few friends that I do have with young children, when you do try to get together every now and then, so be it that some apocalyptic virus wants to come and screw up right. play dates. I mean, you know, you know like, what the hell? You know, you know as well as I do, being you know, being a parent of a little one, the play dates are just as much for you as it is for them. So um, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, a great friend of mine God, yes. uh, just got a got moved to into a new house the other day. Uh, her first brand new home and I was so excited for her but mm-hmm. we can't go over there 
So we had a, a glass of wine via uh, Facebook Messenger video chat and toasted her new house, but yeah. it, it's not the same. Yeah, it'll but, pass, but this time will pass. It'll make, you know? it'll make now, those times that you can spend with your friends that much more valuable and that much more appreciated. Um, well, unless the government wins and, and they get their way and then we all oh stay like Lord. this for the rest I, of the lives. You know, lives. I don't think Americans <laughs> would do it. I think they'd be like, fuck it. I had the chicken pox and survive. So I'll get the corona and survive. Then on that one real quick, too. is Do you think there's a chance that this virus is already running around here before, like, the attention got put on China as the, you know, the birthplace for it, basically? Do you think there's any chance that people have this virus here in the United States going back to January, December of last year, I, November, I or something like that? that it was, uh, I believe it's possible, possible that it was already here, at least in the States. Uh, but I still, I, I believe that it did originate in China. I think they have found how it originated mm-hmm. and, and where. I think that's been kind of pinned down. Um, but there's so much, I mean, worldwide yeah, travel is basically. so easy now. So it's not like back in, right. when was the Spanish flu in, in the 18-something? But it's not Fuck like yeah. that. I mean, then it took weeks <laughs> to get across the, or months to get across the ocean. Now it's, you know, 24 hours and you're in a yeah. whole other world. Uh, with whatever cooties you brought with you. Yeah. You know? Well, and, and maybe a, a thing that needs to happen from this, and the technology's there, if they can just check your temperature when you're walking in a door somewhere, you know, is that before people go through customs to leave a country, they're, they're just, they're scanned for fever, man. And if you have a fever, I'm sorry, you're not traveling. You know, bottom line, you're just, you're creating a risk to humanity. And I guess, you know, people could still carry something and not have. Yeah. No, I see where you're going. Yet, and I, and right? I think that's a great There's idea because risk, it's a non-invasive but... procedure at this point. I mean, you don't even have to touch somebody to take their temperature. Uh, and yeah, would that be a great scanning tool? Yeah. Sure. Just like going through the x-ray machine to make sure you don't have a bomb up your ass. It's a, it's a great thing. You know, they're going to check your passport but when you're leaving a country. You're yeah. Not, you're it's still just, not going to catch I, I don't see why you wouldn't. Because like with this virus, you are asymptomatic no. for up to 14 days while you carry it around and spread it to wherever. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, and I definitely had that question on my mind is just like, you know, I, I was really sick. And I think back in, I really want to say it was December um, when I got pretty sick and Hunter was pretty sick and we were holed up for like a good week, you know, here at the house. But, um, you know, I went and got a steroid shot at, <laughs> at one of these clinics over here. God, I guess that was maybe that was January. I don't know. I'm fucking old, you know? So, um, but that, that was essentially it, you know, as they just, they gave me a steroid shot and, uh, I think just some cough, you know, some stuff for the cough or whatever. And, and you're all good. But now, now I go somewhere like when we went to the, uh, the internet place and I get out of the truck and I immediately like, Oh, my throat feels itchy. And I'm like, Oh, son <laughs> of a bitch. You know, uh, <laughs> it's like, I shouldn't have gone no, anywhere. I think, I think, uh, you know? I think it's just that part's paranoia. Um, but like you probably had the flu, Jason. Absolutely. I the flu it was still flu season in January. It was still flu season in December. And differentiating those symptoms is I mean, it's without a test, it's impossible. So the symptoms are, are very yeah. the same. Got huh? my flu shot. You got your flu shot? Yeah, me too. But I got my flu shot. Yeah. How long were you did. sick? Were were you sick for weeks and weeks or <laughs> nah, just a week. I mean I've got right. a flu shot every year get, for like twenty three years. Shot every so. year. My kids get their uh, flu shot every year, my husband gets his flu shot every year. Um, does it absolutely prevent the flu? And then the people who don't and say, oh, I didn't get the flu. It yeah. helps. But it, but it helps, right? It, it helps it, contain so it, essentially. So each, each year, the flu shot uh, contains several different strains, but they can't uh, 
put every single strain in there. So the chances are, if you do get the flu, it was um, a different strain than was uh, included in the flu shot, or you already had the flu shot, or you already had the flu when you got the shot, uh, or what you have is not the flu. Um, I, the way I understand it, men particularly get terrible colds. Um, and so they could have, they <laughs> men could get have a cold, cold and we think and we're dying. Really I mean, let's be real, but, but we right. think we're dying. Then, we're like, know, oh, women could have the flu and it doesn't change a thing. <laughs> we still have to get up and take care of the kids and do the laundry. I'm super excited to see how this goes. I want to see, I really right here. I don't know what happens. The audio gets a little bit wonky and I had to cut a good portion of this interview. And uh, it was really weird, man. It was like space trippy from outer space stuff where uh, our like time code got shifted left and right and we entered into a new paradoxical universe of over talking. So I don't know what happened there. It's like 20 minutes, but I still retain the important stuff. So jumping ahead, a bit in this interview. Thank you for your patience. God bless. We want to see our community not be affected much. Um, and I'd really like to see mm -hmm. all of our, our preparations to, um, as far as uh, resource management, not uh, like be like a practice run. I think that would be fantastic. Um, and so I, I'll, mm -hmm. you know, as we close this up, I just want to say, I hope this is all overdone down here in our, in our area that we, we had these huge preparations and that mm -hmm. we didn't really need it. And I hope that's the case. Um, worst case scenario, we didn't prepare sure. enough, but I'm hoping that we prepared, um, more than enough. I entirely agree. I think my only fear is, is ambitious people in charge of government wanting to get the economy kick-started again and you know and people need to get back to work and i totally get that but my fear is that they're going to push people back out into the community again too soon and you're going to get like times two of of you know this getting kicked right back right. in here everyone's nuts essentially because that's and that's my only fear with that and so i don't know what the benchmarks are to say, hey, we have this under control and you know, it's safe to be human again and get out and about. Uh, I don't know what the benchmark is because I know right now, like I'm not going back to school. My kids aren't going back to school for the rest of this semester, but then summer's going to come, right? And like I, I personally, I want to take summer classes at my college and be able to go there and then, you know, for Hunter to be able to go to school. But I doubt that's going to happen. I highly doubt that just suddenly in may late may early june colleges are gonna say yeah everything's good um, to go come right. on back we need uh, the money the thing is, is, is <laughs> you know if this goes on for too long and we we do the self-quarantining for too long just as many people are going to starve to death as they are going to die from the damn coronavirus and that's just you know there's there's a lot of people in the community yeah. that aren't working who yeah. aren't uh making any money who yeah, we're going to end up in such a, uh, a recession, an economic uh, recession that could put us in a depression. And that scares me, too. Scares me that the government says, hey, we're going to cut everybody a check. It'll come in three weeks. I'm like, what the f I'm like, you guys, they, would, they can print money with their assholes. But uh, 
you know, in the direct deposit days of moving um, electronic right. money because that's all it is, really. You know, why, is, why does it take that long? And, and I'm one of the lucky ones. I mean, you're one of the lucky ones that, you know, we have a stable income. However, there's so many people who do not. And, I, you know, I, I, I have a cousin, a Terrence, that has a restaurant, and it's, it's closed right now except for the same thing all these others are doing. And, you know, he and I have discussed this, and I worry about him. I worry how long is he going to be able to make it? Uh, it's it's a it's a huge worry, and there's tons of people who are worried like that. But whole another whole another discussion of my take on <laughs> how our U.S. government treats its people. But uh, <laughs> we can we can go down that rabbit hole sometime. But we'll have to probably uh, right. have it'll, a, it'll a have to be after the, the social distancing and, uh, thing, and and probably so. without the microphones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, because I, I think that would be a. That'd be a lot of fun too. So, um, well, let's wrap this up. Um, again, thank you for doing this and we'll have to definitely do it again and say oh, three sure. or four weeks. I'm Hopefully sure everyone will. else will be alive. And, and unfortunately there will be some that won't, but, um, I also, uh, just really want to touch real quick when this, when this thing does lift, uh, for anybody who, who is out there listening and people can go out to the bars again and can go have fun again. Please be careful. Um, the last thing you want to do is wear the last condom. thing you want to do, yeah, definitely wear a condom. Is survive this uh, <laughs> pandemic and get killed uh, driving drunk or uh, or something like that. So you know, don't sure. don't lose your minds when when everything reopens. Uh, continue to be careful and be vigilant, and take care of your yourself and your kids. No, absolutely, that's a, um, a super valid point. All right. Well, unknown person of the medical expertise, thank you again. All right. It was good talking to you. We'll do it again soon.